Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. Today's interview is with Rick Perrault. Rick is the co-founder and CEO of Unbounce, a software platform that enables marketers to create, publish, and test landing pages. The company was founded in 2009 and is based in Vancouver, Canada. Now, Rick is a first-time entrepreneur who took a pain that he was having as a marketer with landing pages and decided to go solve that problem for himself. We talk about how Rick did customer development to validate his business idea well before most people even knew what customer development was. And we also talk about how being non-technical actually turned out to be an asset for Rick and how it helped him to be more successful in building the business. Unbounce has gone from zero revenue to over $7.2 million this year. And we talk how he and his co-founders took that journey and why charging more for their product was one of the smartest decisions they ever made. There's a world where your CRM is powerful, easily configured, and deeply intuitive. Atio makes that a reality. Atio is built specifically for the next generation of companies. It syncs with your data sources, easily configures to their unique structures, and works for any go-to-market motion from self-serve to sales-led. Atio automatically enriches your contacts, syncs your emails and calendar, gives you powerful reports, and lets you quickly build Zapier-style automations. The next generation of companies deserve more than an inflexible, one-size-fits-all CRM. Join 11 Labs, Replicate, Modal, and more, and scale your startup to the next level. Get your free account at atio.com. That's atio.com. Hey, are you struggling to grow your SaaS business? As a SaaS founder, you know that having the right tools is crucial for growing your SaaS business effectively. But with so many options, choosing the best ones for your needs can be overwhelming. That's where the SaaS toolkit comes in. This handy guide covers the 12 essential types of tools you need to supercharge your growth. Inside, you'll find a detailed look at tools successful SaaS startups have used to scale to seven figures and beyond. It gives you specific examples and makes practical recommendations to help you choose the right tools for your SaaS business. Don't miss out. Visit thesastoolkit.com to to download your free copy and unlock faster growth for your SaaS business. That's thesastoolkit.com. With that, let's bring on Rick. Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Omar. Thanks for having me. Now, before we talk about Unbounce, tell me a little bit more about you personally. Who, who is Rick when he's not working? Oh, who is Rick when he's not working? I think I'm still an entrepreneur, but I, though I, I spend my time in a garden trying to grow to the perfect tomato. Uh, so when I'm, uh, and it also allows me to actually still think about unbounce, but just yeah, getting my hands dirty. Uh, so it's, uh, something my wife and I like to do. Have you found that perfect tomato yet? Uh, no, nah, still working on that. <laughs> Toma- okay. Growing tomatoes is actually quite hard. I, I, I have no idea about that. <laughs> okay. Now, before we dive into more details, we like to kick things off with a success quote to mm-hmm. better understand what drives and motivates our guests. What is one of your favorite quotes? I have, you know, I worked for I worked for a gentleman that uh, his office was pretty Spartan, and he had on his whiteboard he, he for years, the three or four years that I worked for him, it's he had the words unrelenting razor focus, and that was a reminder to him every day to just you know stay focused on what was really important. 
And that was actually the only thing I ever saw on his whiteboard. And that, that was something that stuck with me as we, as I moved on in, in my career afterwards is, you know, to really kind of uh, stay really focused on what was really important. And I think that's into uh, some degree has really been helpful during my journey at Unbounce. So let's start by giving our listeners a better understanding of Unbounce. Who are your target customers and what are the pain points that you're trying to solve? Uh, I'm the target customer. Uh, in fact, that's how we got to where we are today. Uh, back in, you know, I had the privilege early on in my career working with some really smart marketers who realized or who knew that if we would send targeted traffic to a landing page, a dedicated landing page, as opposed to just some generic web page, generally your homepage, your conversion rates would be much higher. How unfortunately, though, those were back in the days, and to some degree, that's still the case today, where the website was not the domain of marketing. It was, you know, it was controlled by the IT web developers. And so as a marketer, we would have to go outside our department to get landing pages made for campaigns and, um, and you know, go work with our IT department. So I, 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 I'm sure you can appreciate how challenging that would be because IT works much, much differently than marketing does. And uh, so that was actually something I saw time and time again um, everywhere I went. And at one point I realized, you know, I just need this tool that does, you know, drag and drop add an image, add some text, add my call to action, and boom, publish it live. Don't have to talk to anybody. Something as easy to use as MailChimp or WordPress. Um, yeah, it just it needed to be simple. And that was really the pain I, I had and went out to solve. But when I went out to solve it, I thought there must have been a solution out there. So I reached out to my marketing peers that I had worked with at some point or I knew and they all said the same story. It's like, nah, it's this big pain point, and we haven't found anything. We've got to work with developers, or we hire an agency, and it's really expensive. Uh, so I, I just got the same story over and over and over. And when I looked out at the marketplace, the only thing that there were pieces in the enterprise market of enterprise CMSs that solved a little bit of what I was trying to achieve. Uh, but you know, any company that doesn't have a, their pricing page on their, on their website is probably well out of range of what we were looking for. And hence that's really where the, the, the idea for Unbounce came about. You know, I'm so tired of, of people asking me what landing page software they should use. Tell me why people should pick Unbounce over the other options that are out there. Uh, I think flexibility, um, you know, I, I certainly when we went out to build Unbounce, one of the things that the pains we had or I had early on was actually I really wanted something. I'm actually a designer by trade. So it was really important to me that I had the flexibility to build something really beautiful, create something right from scratch if need be, not not working with a rigid template system. Uh but something like a blank canvas and then create something that really matched the brand, uh, you know, our brand. And that was, that was actually, you know, something that was, we, you know, we started with that premise and that's actually something that's uh, I think separated us to some degree from a lot of uh, companies that we've seen that are out there today. Um, but I think more importantly, I think something that we've done really well is, is actually focusing on building a kind of this 
really good holistic experience. So not just with the software, but with our support uh, and our educational material, every touch point with Unbounce, you know, we really strive to make that a really delightful experience. Um, and we've invested a lot in our, you know, a customer success team that, you know, if anybody who's listening that is an Unbounce customer who've ever had to get support can testify um, that our team, you know, is definitely, you know, very fast turnaround for support and very helpful. Um, you know, so that's, that's, that's the complete package, I think, is um, something we've invested in. And I think that's, that definitely sets us apart uh, from a lot of solutions that are out there. So what were you doing when you um, came up with this idea or, or had this need for this software? Um, working in, uh, in a marketing department, needing landing pages. Uh, yeah, I, you know, working on, you know, I spent, uh, prior to Unbounce, I, you know, I worked in-house mostly for other marketing teams, uh, generally more on the creative, the web aspect, the creative side. So responsible for the design and the performance of landing pages, websites, and, um, generally the, you know, the overall creative direction of uh, a campaign, uh, I was, I worked my way up, uh, through the kind of design field, uh, into a creative director position. And that's what I had done for a long time. And that's where I had seen, you know, had the need and kind of worked with people who were actually really, really smart and were realized that landing pages just work really well. So, um, that's really how I came through here. I'm, you know, I'm, Never been an entrepreneur before. This is actually, uh, I, I had a need, went out to solve it. And that's, that's really what, uh, how I got to where we are today. So, so what happened? Were you, you know, you, you've got this idea. Did you then say, okay, I'm, I'm going to go and quit my job? And, sure, like, and yeah, I'll this? Tell you a little, yeah, let me tell you a little bit about the story then. Um, so I actually, it was almost exactly that. Um, I, uh, when I realized, so like I said, I went out looking for a solution. I was doing consulting work for a company at the time, so it was. Uh, I, I was fortunate at that moment in time. I wasn't stuck. I wasn't positioned in this kind of. You know, uh, uh, I wasn't getting part of payroll as part of a company employed. I was actually working for myself as a consultant on, on this particular project, and um, and that was in early. That would have been all late two thousand and eight, and then by early two thousand nine, it was at the point where I had realized that. You know, I talked to another, you know, a dozen marketers that I knew and it was like, okay, I'm onto something here. They, they have this pain, they can't solve it. Um, and then I went out to do, I guess what we call today customer development. But, uh, before I went out and, you know, I was kind of, I had this hunch that I was onto something, but I, I really want to go out and kind of really prove it to myself before I, you know, quit every, everything I was doing, making money to actually, you know, uh, try to get this thing built. So I spent uh, in early 2009 just doing, I used, I remember using Facebook ads, targeting marketing, uh, in Facebook, the advertising platform, you could actually target, uh, ads for people who specific, uh, job titles. So I, I came up with a survey and I, you know, the ads, you know, are you, do you have trouble making landing pages? Click here and learn or, you know, and I had a survey and I asked, you know, I posted, I did the advertising built a survey and survey gizmo. And I remember I had, I had, uh, 42 responses with people who actually gave me an email address or a phone number to write them or call them to discuss 
the pain they were having. Uh, so I reached out, I, you know, I, I wanted to talk to people that weren't my network, you know, like your friends and your family will all, you know, will always say, Oh yeah, good idea. Go do it. But complete strangers. And that to me, that was some really good validation that this pain was, was quite universal. And armed with that, I started doing some research, uh, realizing there wasn't much out there in, in, you know, in the market, in a kind of an SMB market. Uh, you know, I looked at my strengths and, and uh, I looked at the products that I did like. And one of the things they had in common was, you know, the self-service model. I really like that as opposed to, a, you know, a building something than hire a big sales team trying to sell it. Uh, I had no experience there. So where we could capitalize on my, you know, my design background and um, to focus on something that could be self-serve and, uh, and in the SMB market. So it all kind of started to make sense and uh, really started to pull it together. And on uh, June 22nd of 2009, I, I, uh, and after realizing, I, I remember my apartment was just full of sticky notes on every wall, everything from, you know, you know, what the product must look like, what it needs to achieve, uh, you know, who we might bring in, uh, you know, as early founders. And I realized this was going to be a, you know, pretty big project. So I, uh, on June the 22nd, I, I had, uh, invited what would become the future founding team to lunch. And, uh, they were all guys I had worked with at some point or another in my career, all had a wide variety of skill sets and uh, I pitched them the idea. And, uh, by on August 14th, so about two months later, we were in my apartment incorporating the company and writing our first lines of code, and uh, we put up our blog that day. Uh, they had all pretty much uh, dropped everything they were doing, and we went on this journey, and that's where it all began. How did you figure out using Facebook ads um, to, to basically do these sort of customer development interviews um, you know, this, this was before the, the whole kind of lean startup movement. And yeah. so how did you figure this stuff out? I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I might've said to somebody, uh, you know, I need to reach other marketers and somebody might've pointed to me, Hey, you know, Facebook allows you to run advertising where you can target people by job title. And I was like, exactly what I need. Thank you. And I think I just, that's how I probably learned about it. How much did it cost you to run those ads? You know, I don't think it was very much. I get asked that question. Uh, I've been asked that question before, but and I want to say it was, I might have spent a couple of hundred dollars. It really wasn't a lot of money to validate, you know, to get this. You know, I think I that plus the survey. In fact, I think even the survey gizmo or survey monkey I used, it was one of the other. Uh, I, I think I, I got, I was able to use that for free. Um, you know, and I want to say I, I definitely spent less than two hundred dollars. And then, so once you had these email addresses, mm -hmm. how did you? What did you ask these people? Um, well, if if they, how do they go about getting landing pages made? Is landing pages important to them? So actually, this is the survey would have had this information. So I was pre-qualifying. If people didn't think marketers didn't think landing pages were important, they didn't use them. Um, you know, I think I asked them why, but I was really interested in the ones that said, we know they're important, but they're really expensive or time consuming to get done. And our IT department is uncooperative and, uh, you know, just who are, so then I'd reach and then I, I wanted to just see what they were looking for. And I, and I hear the story, I, I you know, I'd get on the phone or I'd get an email or just, 
And it all say, all I need, all we need is this little tool we could use. Um, yeah. So that was, you know, so I was looking for people who actually really understood that they were leaving money on the table by not using landing pages and, you know, and felt that pain. So I really wanted to understand, um, you know, what a solution looked like for them. And actually I want to validate whether the pain was real. There's no point of going out and quitting your job and going down this path of building something. If, if the pain isn't really universal. Um, so that was, you know, confirm the pain was real for everyone who kind of, oh, everyone like me, marketers and, um, who are doing online advertising, uh, you know, there definitely, there was a real measurable amount of pain. You see, most people, or I'd say most geeks would have probably gone out and spent six to 12 months building something and then gone out and, and maybe talked to somebody, right? Or maybe put up a landing page. And you know, and I, and I get asked that too. And I, and, I, and I think the reason why I'm not a developer. So in order for me to go, I actually had to go out and I had to find a way to validate this without, well, I couldn't prototype it and I couldn't get, um, you know, I'm not going to get, you know, some really smart people to spend some time on this if there's no validation whatsoever. So I really needed to go out and find a way to validate this without building something because I'm, I'm not a developer. So that was my approach was to get feedback from other marketers who were in eventually our target market. And, uh, yeah. Okay. So you, you got together with these, um, co-founders, mm-hmm. who, the guys who became your co-founders and pitched this idea to them. Did you have, um, a clear idea of what that product should look like? Uh, or were you still at the stage of, there's an opportunity here. People are telling me they need something. I had a fuzzy idea. I, you know, even, yeah, I kind of had an idea. Like I said, I, I, I started this saying I needed something that was self-service, that it would be easy to use for someone like me. So, it, you know, it couldn't require any coding or it, it, it really needed to be as easy to use as PowerPoint. And that's what we kind of... That was the kind of the mandate. And then we knew how to build a landing page. We knew what most landing pages looked like and what are the elements. So it needed to have, you know, the ability to put some imagery. It needed to have the ability to have some big headlines and it needed the buttons and clicks. It needed forms, though the very first version of Unbounce didn't even have forms. Uh, the one we first version we went to market with. But, you know, we knew that these things would be required and, um, so there was, yeah, we kind of had an idea, but we, that was about as far as it went. One, one of the things I will say uh, early on was, uh, can, you, can you imagine Unbounce today without A-B testing? I mean, uh, but early on, the first version, that wasn't the pain we went out, well, actually first version. When, when I did the customer development, it was, in my, in my head, it was, well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll build this builder and then we'll integrate with uh, Google Website Optimizer, which is free and marketers can use that. So the idea of actually building A-B testing into Unbounce didn't actually come about until we, I think we actually might have already started building it when I started getting feedback from marketers saying, actually, visual website optimizer is really, really hard to use. 
and we need to go our developers to use it. So therefore defeats the whole purpose. So we, yeah, so, you know, it, it definitely evolved a bit and, but, you know, we understood we needed to solve this pain. We needed to do it in a way that would be self-service. It had to had some certain key elements to it, but what, you know, I, you know, I didn't have the whole product sketched out in, in wireframes, I guess is what I'm trying to say. How did you go about building the first version of the product? Did, did you, you know, did you bring on people who could do that kind of work yeah. or did you have to uh, hire developers? Team. Yeah. The founding team, uh, there were, uh, there's six of us in total, uh, three engineers, uh, and uh, uh, one uh, one of the other partners looked after the kind of the operations of the business. Uh, one looked after, and then Ollie, who looked after. Like I said the day we found the company, we put up our blog, and I can talk a little bit about that and why we did that. But um, yeah, so we had three engineers focused on three different areas of the product. One and one who's our CTO today looked after the platform that this would all sit on. Uh, one of the engineers focused on the application environment and one focused on the, which included the AB testing engine and one focused on the, you know, the WYSIWYG drag and drop editor. And okay. yeah, they, the three of them worked on this. We went from, uh, we went from, I guess, founding the company in August of 2009 to early 2010. Uh, we had a really rough beta that people could actually go in, add an image, edit some text and uh, put a, a button. Were you guys all working on the business full-time during that period? Yes. So how were you funding the business? Uh, credit cards, <laughs> <laughs> bank accounts. Uh, yeah, we bootstrapped it until uh, early 2010. We raised some, once we actually had a uh I think we were in beta or we were, we were either in beta or just about to launch. And we raised kind of like some friends and family, former colleagues. Uh, we all pulled, pulled some capital together and that got us from, uh, I guess, launch to some sort of profitable self-sustaining. And then soon, soon after we raised, uh, uh, a, a small venture round with uh, a syndicate of, uh, of investors. So it's, uh, you know, Eric Rees could do a case study on you guys, right? Just in terms of sort of like a textbook case study on, on how to go and do customer development, customer validation. We certainly, uh, yeah, I mean, we did. It's funny when I read the reading the Lean Startup, and actually, I've had the opportunity to meet Eric and talk a bit. And so much about that book, uh, reading it, I was, hey, that's what we we did. That <laughs> we didn't really know what we were doing. We just, you know, the thing was, it's like again, I I think it goes back to the fact that I wasn't a developer, and I needed a way to validate these ideas and the pain without actually building something. And then, and then when we um, when it came to building something, we knew we had to get something to market really quick uh, because we didn't have a lot of capital. We didn't have a lot of runway. There's only, you know, line of credits only go so far. And uh, we really needed to uh, get something out to market and really start generating uh, revenue really quick. And none of us were ex-Google. It's not like we, 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 we weren't 
you know, this wasn't, this was all the first time we've done this. So we didn't have any, we, we didn't even know what a VC was. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, uh, the whole idea of raising venture capital, I mean, up, especially here in Vancouver, it's not like we've grown up in this environment where, oh, you come up with this great idea and you go talk to this firm or that firm, or, you know, if you're, if you've, you, if you're lucky enough to, you know, have a huge success previously, it's, it's a lot easier. And, and none of us came from that. So we just knew we had to, that we couldn't risk or afford building anything that wouldn't be valuable. So we worked with our customers actually uh, really early on in the beta and it was clunky and there was no way that, that you know, they, in a lot of ways not usable, but then, you know, over a few weeks, then, you know, customers say, Hey, I'm going to run a campaign or is that okay? And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually they weren't even customers yet because they weren't paying. And, uh, yeah, I think it was at, uh, some point in, uh, early summer of 2010, one of our cust- one of our users said, you know what? I'd pay for this at this point. And it was like, boom, pricing page went up and <laughs> plugged in recurly and, uh, and, uh, away we went. And, uh, and I think in our fir- first month we had four paying customers. This was back in when, 2010? That was in 2010. Okay. So looking back at those early days, what do you think was one of the biggest mistakes that you made? Hmm. Trying to do too much. for Trying to be a bit of everything to everybody. Let me elaborate a bit. And this goes back to unrelenting razor focus. In the early days, actually, when we... When I originally envisioned Unbounce, I always said, you know, Unbounce, it'll be $100 a month. Marketers have no, you know, they'll put a credit card down, pay for it. But when we actually came out with the product, when we when we were coming live, it was like the pricing at the last minute. It's like, no, 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 we need cheaper pricing. And, you know, and then we had a $10 plan, a $25 plan, you know, all that. So we were, and then marketing and, hey, you just need, a, if you just need to get a web page up, you can use Unbounce and cost you 10 bucks a month. Um uh, so there was a bit of that, definitely on that end, and but all equally as important, we you know we stopped a lot of cycles to take on you know Corel phones us up or a bigger brand. Hey, we like what you're doing, but if, if we had this, this, and this, or if you can build some landing pages for us, we'll pay you. And that you know from these bigger companies, and so all this stuff is attractive early on, but it really is is it just a uh, I like to say an attractive distraction from what you're really trying to do. And we fumbled about for about a year, uh, you know, taking calls from big companies and um, realizing at some point, so yeah, taking calls from big companies and, you know, having meetings. Well, if we only built this feature, we could get this company and maybe we could just hire a salesperson who's going to go out and, uh, you know, I just wasted time. And then the same on the, on the low end, uh, you know, we, we'd get people who'd phone us up and, you know, I, phone us up six times because they don't know they don't know how to use their computer, but they know they need a web page and uh, they, we finally get them there. And then it's like, well, they need help with marketing. And then they churn two months later. Um, when we at some point um, stopped taking calls from enterprise companies or, you know, having that knee jerk reaction there and say, no, we, you, you can be on board the same way as everybody else. And when we dumped our $10 and $25 plans and really stayed focused on the marketer, uh, the business just started to improve. Uh, revenue took off. We, you know, the problem, actually, and then from a functionality point of view, 
You know, a, a lot of the people who wanted to, you know, were paying us $10 a month, they wanted us to integrate with Facebook, while customers who were paying us 100 wanted us to integrate with AdWords. Well, <laughs> so just, you get a lot of, you really got to focus on, you know, you pick your, pick your persona or, your, you know, your profile of your ideal customer and go after them. And don't get distracted by, by you know, the, the bottom of the market or the top of the market or, where, you know, or someplace that, because you can't do everything. And we still can't do, you know, we still can't do everything. If, uh, you know, the needs of somebody, uh, an enterprise, somebody who's calling you up and, you know, wants some of your attention, their needs are going to be probably a lot different than somebody who's, you know, just needs one web page and is willing to pay $10 a month. And they're going to have different needs and you can't satisfy the, both. So you really got to pick your. So give me one example of a particular situation where you guys kind of maybe pursued an opportunity and then in hindsight look back and said wow that was a waste of time uh a 25 dollar price plan we had we had it for years well we had it probably for for the first uh i guess it's 2010 2011 early 2012 we we actually got cohort analysis uh here was another thing and then someone realized on average our 25 dollar price plans churn after four months so they pay us about a hundred dollars on average it costs us 120 150 dollars to acquire a customer and it was just like the light bulb went off and it was just like take that pricing off right now and we did and we just the metrics and then you know we just it all works like the math starts to work out after a while so uh definitely uh not measuring and uh holding to a belief that because we'd see lots of volume on the 25 dollar plans you know, we'd get dozens of trial starts every day and some of, you know, many of those would turn into customers. So we just saw all this volume, but we actually didn't do the analysis uh, of, you know, who's actually sticking with us. So, so today it's like, we're really kind of focused on that, that professional marketer, they're paying us between a hundred and $200 a month. Uh, they have, you know, low churn rate, stay with us for a long time. And the questions when they do call us, they're actually really, uh, you know, they're really challenging us to kind of really push the limits of the product and, um, yeah, so we, we really stayed, uh, that was definitely one area that was a mistake. And, and all, likewise, on the other side, we spent some time with, you know, we used to spend time with big, you know, big brands that call and say, listen, we want to speak with your CEO, you know, the CEO and the CTO. And, uh, you know, you'd have three calls with them. They'd want to do NDAs and, and it just, but then they'd never adopt. Uh, and today, what we found, looking back on all that, that was a waste of time. But today, we treat everyone the same. So if, uh, you know, big enterprise Fortune 500 company uh, calls us up, we, we tell them this. And we know we don't sign NDAs. You can't talk to the CEO because uh, that just doesn't, it's not going to work. We're just not equipped for that. So, uh, and nine times out of ten, they sign up anyway and use the product just like everybody else. And that's what we've learned. So that's interesting. So you you had a lower price point plan because you thought that that would attract more customers. And yes. when you took that away and charged more for the product, mm -hmm. you had people actually sticking around for longer. The revenue went up. The revenue went up. And, <clears throat> and presumably that was because the price point was doing a better job at targeting the people that you really wanted to attract towards this product. That is correct. So even though the volume of accounts 
went down a little. The value per customer went up. So I'm going to say probably around the time when we made the switch and dumped the sub $50 plans. And even today, we kind of really focused that $50 a month plan towards kind of startups or early stage companies. Um, but sub, when we dropped all those plans, I think our average revenue per customer per month was sitting at around $30. Uh, today, it's around 80 Wow. So the, the value of the customer has increased uh, significantly. And what's important, though, uh, it allowed us from a support, our success team, uh, we realized when we're going to have a hard time scaling this team because it costs so much to give this support to these lower plans. Um, and we want to give a great experience. We're trying to build a great brand. And you can't do that by not providing great support. Uh, so by eliminating those plans, thus eliminating a big portion of our support burden, our team was now able to go from moving from being reactive to actually being proactive. And now actually the team is now divided into four key areas in educating and onboarding and technical support. And they do a much better job today than they would have ever had been able to um, we're able to afford to offer some really great support today because we just don't have the support burden that we had when we had those lower plans. Um, yeah. So you had this idea, you turned that eventually into a product and then launched it as a, as a paid product and, and you had you, your four paying customers in the first mm-hmm. month. What? Let's talk a little bit about what you did to... Uh, acquire more customers. I, I'm interested in talking about maybe one marketing strategy that you used, which turned out to be pretty successful. And let's talk about one which maybe you know you looked in hindsight was was a waste of time, or or maybe just was was just too expensive for you to acquire customers that way. Uh, well, I'll start with that sales. A sales team. So early on, we, you know, we've, we, you know, we'd always be an approach. Hey, you know, uh, hire me, and I can sell this to bigger clients. And and again, it just it was a that was a distraction, but it also didn't work because what the bigger clients always wanted was, you know, they actually the, the sale we actually hired. We've done it. We did it twice where we hired somebody, uh, brought somebody in on a trial to do sales, and they said, you know, we're going to open. I'm going to open my Rolodex and. They came back and said, well, actually, I can't sell this until you have this, 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 and this. And, uh, and, and in each scenario, every client was almost different. And uh, so for us, that was definitely not a channel. What we did do very well, though, um, it, one of the things we recognized early on is that we weren't entering a market. There was, no un, there was no landing page platform market that we were just coming into with a better or faster or different product. So we had to hire our customers to go to find it. So not, it's not like they're look, you know, searching on Google for landing page platform, you know, because they didn't exist. Uh, so what we did day one is our blog. And we figured the only way we're going to get really good, some good traction is we got to get in, A, we got to make it easy for customers or people who have this pain or are interested in A-B testing and landing pages and conversion rate optimization. We got to make it easy for them to find us. And two, we need to get people who are in the space, the thought leaders in the space, talking about the us. 
we need to get them on board. We need to build allies. Uh, so we focused on the blog. In fact, one of the first, one of the co-founders wasn't an engineer, was actually a marketer who wrote. And by the time, you know, in the first, even before we had Unbounce the Product came out, we probably had 100 blog posts. And they were really, he focused on quality. And so that people are actually reading this stuff and saying, this is actually really good and sharing it. Uh, and then, t- so to date, that's actually still a co- high quality, really, you know, just really good uh, content is something we focused on. Uh, so, the, the, you know, we've evolved. So the blog is where it started, but then it was the ebooks. And, uh, you know, we, we don't forget most, you know, most people still aren't on Twitter. They use email. So, and that's something we learned that, you know, asking somebody for an email address to download your, an ebook on, you know, the ultimate guide to whatever. And, uh, it works. And if they're interested in this subject matter, they will, you know, you can send them a, you know, a trial to come and take a look at your product. And there's a good chance they'll be interested. So for us, it was always been around content. We, we've not had success around sales. We've not had success with performance. So any kind of paid advertising. Uh, we've not been successful there, though yet, uh, just as we speak, we're actually trying it yet again. Uh, it seems to come down to content as something we've done really, really well. So let's let's talk about the paid advertising, because I hear a lot of companies um, or startups talking about, you know, the, the paid advertising route doesn't really work for us. And often I think it can be a question of, you know, do do they really have the expertise to be able to effectively run paid advertising campaigns. Now, mm-hmm. you're a marketer, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit more about, from your perspective, why that hasn't worked for you. I think for us, at least today, we haven't found a way to make make the cost work. Uh, we're, we're just not, we just, and actually, interestingly enough, so uh, we just ran a test campaign Oh, what did they tell me? I think we got one acquisition after spending about $1,600. Now, that's not really good ROI, Uh, especially, like I say, right now, it costs us on average about $150 to acquire a customer. So we're we're way off here. We've got somebody working on this stuff. Uh, And what what we did find before, that we're we're just restarting this again. We're, we're, We're determined to get in here and... Try, but what we did find the last time we did it, and uh, and once we eventually found you know the right things that were working for us at the time and got our cost of acquisition down, it wasn't actually even attracting a really good customer. Interesting. Um, yeah. So we, uh, so that you know, for us, that's that's all I can say there. I, you know, I don't know why that is. Um, whereas I do know other businesses that actually are just killing it with you know advertising like paid advertising and it's one of their largest channels uh, in fact i get you know entrepreneurs coming to us quite often wanting looking for advice on you know they've grown their business to date on some paid channels and now are looking to some kind of more softer channels like say content marketing and are you know asking for some advice around that so you know i, I don't know why we've never it's never really worked for us well, you know, i I know from a price point of view, it's never worked, but I don't know why it's been more expensive, uh, significantly more expensive for us to actually really be competitive on the kind of the paid advertising piece. Now, one thing I, I also wanted to ask you was about 
starting a business with with six co-founders. Now, this is probably a question you've been asked before. You know, how did you guys make decisions, right? It just seems like too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, there's definitely some of that. There was, you know, we all had our, we've had some moments. Uh, it would have never worked had we never uh, worked together before, I guess I'd say. I mean, every single one of us were connected some way. Some, of, In fact, most of the team I had known for 10 years um, or more. So, uh, and, you know, we had a lot of, uh, you know, we already had, you know, blowouts and big fights previously. So <laughs> we were used to that. So that made things a lot easier. That's for sure. Uh, but it was challenging. You know, I, I you know, I, I sometimes uh, I like to say the best thing, you know, I was starting the business. It was uh, the the, uh, the best thing about Unbounce is that it had six co-founders and the worst thing about Unbounce is that it had six co-founders. <laughs> But I will say, it, it, there's no doubt in my mind that with it, had we not taken the approach we did, you know, in ha- bringing us all together to do this, there wouldn't be unbounce would not be here today. Uh, it was such a a big undertaking that was that we just never had, you know, never had the capital or anything to go and just hire a bunch of people at the time. Uh, it, it, yeah, it would have never worked. So it was uh, definitely a lot of challenges. It's uh, you know. Think of family life. It's, you know, brothers and sisters. It's kind of, th- kind of think of it like that, you know. It's, uh, but, you know, you get through it. You know, you, know, you, you, you get through it and you, you, you try to do your best to make decisions that are in the best interest of the company or, you know, the, the, the six of you in our case, the six of us in our case uh, in the early days. At what and, point did you take on the CEO role? Uh, uh, I guess day one, it was, uh, yeah. Okay. So you, you, you guys already created some kind of structure and sort of like a decision making sort of framework as opposed to let's just all sort of jointly make every decision. Oh yeah, correct. I mean, and sometimes that, you know, it's yes. Uh, yes. And we, we had the structure. We generally all had our expertise in our area of focus, but uh, that said, it, it didn't always, you know, there were contentious issues that would come up where, you know, the six of us would get together and people would want to vote, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but we, you know, we all had our, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. So we, and, um, you know, in, in the early days, it, we, we fumbled around that a little bit. But over time, we kind of, we found what we were good at and where, where we actually had some really good uh, you know, some valuable insights to bring to the table and, and uh, in other areas where we just learn to be quiet on an issue. Cause yeah. So we just, it, it, it's not easy, but, uh, you know, building a business isn't easy no matter how you go about it. So, uh, you know, we had our own unique set of challenges because it was, you know, six pretty opinionated co-founders. Uh, but I'm sure the, you know, the alternative would have been equally, if not more challenging. Okay, Rick. So we started this conversation by talking about where the idea for Unbounce came from. And then we've taken this journey together on, on how you guys turn that idea into a successful product. Let's talk about the business today. What's, what sort of revenue are you guys doing? We're doing about, okay, we ended November, oh, sorry, November. We ended October with about 7,500 customers that generated 620,000 
uh, monthly recurring revenue in U.S. dollars. So that works out to about an average revenue per customer of about $80. We're growing uh, that rate. Uh, you know, revenue is growing at about uh, seven, seven, eight percent, seven percent a month, six, seven percent a month, uh, depending on the quarter. Uh, we're we're getting close to the thank U.S. Thanksgiving and holiday season, so things are starting to slow down a bit. But uh, uh, you know, we'll double this year. We doubled. We did better than double last year. Um, we're uh, yeah, with great margins. We're profitable. Uh, we're s- uh, 76 employees today uh, across two offices, main office here in Vancouver, where I think there are about 70 of us, 68 of us here. And then we have a Montreal office where we have half our marketing team. And so I think there's – and uh, our East Coast success team. So I think there's eight, uh, eight in the Montreal office. What's the one thing in your business that you're most – excited about right now what's what does the future of unbounce look like in the next year or so you know what excites me right now is the culture that we've created uh it was one of the fears that we had and it's one of the you know when i talk to other entrepreneurs who have you know who are in businesses that are a few heads uh, years ahead of us and i i said you know you look back on that you you know that growth stage you know what advice do you have for me and one of the things they almost unanimously said, you know, just be careful of the culture. Just keep an eye on that. Be careful how you grow. Don't just throw bums in seats. Go the extra mile to make sure you hire really special people and they'll take care of the business. They'll all, you know, and I think we've done that really well in this last 18 months of, you know, 18 months ago, I think we were less than 20 employees. So, uh, you know, we've grown really fast and, uh, you know, we've had very, very little churn, uh, in terms of employees, and they are actually reaching, you know, they're shaping what Unbounce is going to be, you know, 18, 24, five, you know, three, four years from now. Uh, and I, that's what I actually, I'm super excited about that. I, I, it's what I love coming into work and just watching the, you know, watching the team work and grow the business. It's uh, time for our lightning round. I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I'd like you to answer them as quickly as you can. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. What's the best piece of business advice that you ever received? Uh, Treat company money like it's coming out of your own pocket. So be very, be frugal. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Oh, Well, if you haven't read it, The Lean Startup. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? Uh, Create something that's really important to a lot of people. Hopefully they can make money at it. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? Uh, sticky notes. If I can't get my idea down on one sticky, uh, it's too complicated. So simplify it. I love that one. If you had to start over tomorrow, how would you go about finding that next business opportunity? Uh, talk to your target market, talk to, you know, talk to future customers. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? 
an interesting or fun fact about me that most people don't know. Oh, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. <laughs> and finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work? And I think you may have already told me this. Yeah, gardening. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right, great answers. Rick, I want to thank you for joining me today and, and sharing your experiences and insights. And thank you for letting us get to know you a little better personally as well. Now, if folks want to find out more about Unbounce, they can go to unbounce.com. Mm -hmm, that's and correct. if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you, you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Perot, uh, or you can send me an email, Rick at Unbounce. Uh, happy to chat. Awesome. Rick, thanks again, and I wish you continued success. All right. Thanks, Omar. Cheers. There's a world where your CRM is powerful, easily configured, and deeply intuitive. Atio makes that a reality. Atio is built specifically for the next generation of companies. It syncs with your data sources, easily configures to their unique structures, and works for any go-to-market motion from self-serve to sales-led. Atio automatically enriches your contacts, syncs your emails and calendar, gives you powerful reports, and lets you quickly build Zapier-style automations. The next generation of companies deserve more than an inflexible, one-size-fits-all CRM. Join 11 Labs, Replicate, modal, and more, and scale your startup to the next level. Get your free account at atio.com. That's A-T-T-I-O dot com. Attention SaaS founders, are you determined to scale your B2B business to that coveted million-dollar ARR milestone? I've got something that can help you get there faster. Introducing the SaaS Club newsletter, your weekly companion on the journey to SaaS success. Packed with proven strategies, practical insights, and exclusive interviews with B2B SaaS founders who've been where you are, this newsletter is your ticket to accelerated growth. Each week, in just five minutes, you'll gain access to a treasure trove of growth tactics, lessons learned, and insider tips to help you navigate the challenges of the early stages and scale your business to seven figures and beyond. So why wait? Become part of a 4,000 plus strong community of SaaS founders and entrepreneurs who are already harnessing these insights to drive their growth. Visit sasclub.io slash newsletter and subscribe to the SaaS Club newsletter today. Gain the support and expertise you need to keep forging ahead on your SaaS journey.